0: Zero. You rolled a, a zero. Oh,
1: okay. So I think that we're going to count that as a 10, right? So, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. design an encumbrance system that even encumbrance haters will want to use. Added by listener
2: Wolf Mungus. Oh, this is going to be hard because I am an encumbrance hater. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. I'm Andy Realm, And this week we are joined by Toby. Hi, I'm Toby. Hey, it's really nice to have you here. Um, so we met actually at the Roll for TopicCon that happened over the summer. You came and you immediately dove in. I think it was the first time that um, Andy and I had met you before, but you just kind of, yeah, dove in and uh, uh, started playing games with us. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm curious, I guess, what did you think of that that convention?
1: No pressure. We're we're only the people that organize. Yeah, that's fine. So, you know, yeah, no, tell no us,
2: pressure. Great. Right. us how good it was.
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't pull any punches. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was my. So I was invited to the to the uh,
2: conference. Yeah. Uh, con, con. Convention. Just yeah, con. Uh, yeah, who knows what it stands for? Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, by Tim Saucer, uh, it was very kind enough to uh, to invite me, and then you guys accepted me, which was great uh and it was the first time i had played at a table rolling dice in 2 years something oh, like that wow. yeah. um, so i really enjoyed it and it really kickstarted my like gm brain back into that space
2: mm-hmm.
0: i find that you know for a while i was just like you know copying adventures or or like maybe running something online that was pretty brief but mm-hmm. then i really started thinking about pulling apart games and uh, I don't know, all of those fun things that you yeah. guys discuss.
2: That's really great. Yeah. So do you, I guess let's talk a little bit about your gaming history too. Um, yeah. So I guess like what, yeah. What have you played? What are you playing right now?
0: Yeah. So I started with fifth edition D and D actually pulled Reddit, which is a dangerous thing to do yeah. for a GM. <laughs> yes. Uh, got very, very lucky and have, and found an incredible GM. This was when I was doing my dissertation and procrastinating mm-hmm. and decided I would much rather spend time playing D&D than writing a thesis. Yeah,
2: uh,
0: yeah. pulled Reddit, found a DM, uh, one other player from Reddit, and then a collection of my friends. The one player turned out to be not great and was mm-hmm. ejected, so I got that experience pretty nice. early. <laughs> wow, uh, you jumped
1: right into the deep end of the, yeah. the gaming yes. topic.
0: <laughs> We really did. Um, so that was about oh, maybe eight years ago. Um, D and, and then played D and D fifth edition for a long time. Uh, started, started running my games because it was the only way to like play the game.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. a lot of times and since then have ventured out to a lot of different, uh, games. So I, so kind of the most notable ones are probably I was running a traveler game. Yeah. Very amazing. loosely. <laughs> uh, which was very fun, and and I think my players enjoyed it. We ultimately transitioned that to Savage Worlds, so we like mm-hmm. took the story that we had built and just ported to a different rule set that fit the players a little bit better. Um, Interesting. And right now I'm running kind of like a short mini campaign in Simbarum, hmm. which I'm really, really enjoying.
1: Oh, nice. That's good. I'm intrigued by your success in transitioning a campaign out of one rule set into, you know, a fairly different rule set. Uh, was that, but, but that worked.
0: I have a really great set of players. They are just <laughs> ready to like roll with things and they're very forgiving. Uh, and we just have a really nice time. So, so yeah, we went from arguably one of the most like simulation heavy rule systems traveler. There were even jokes <laughs> at <laughs> uh roll for topic Con about how simulationist it is. Mm-hmm. Um, to something kind of really light and, and more narrative focused, like Savage Worlds, um, mm-hmm. where you are very heroic. Right? Coming from Traveler, where you're not necessarily heroic, I think my players wanted to be more heroic. It fit nicely with what they wanted.
1: Did you find that the, you may have sort of answered this already, but did you find that the tone shifted because of the rules? Like, were your players suddenly able to do stuff that they had wanted to do, but really couldn't? Or was it more that uh, it just made it easier to do stuff? They weren't swimming against the current.
0: I think it made it a lot easier because I could write encounters that fit the style of play that they wanted a lot more easily. Mm. So, you know, I would write traveler encounters and we would use that rule set, but I would always have to pull punches or, or something mm. like that because Traveler's not very forgiving, but Savage Worlds, Yes, it's very swingy, but that adds a lot of really fun flavor, and and uh, the Benny system can keep you alive pretty strongly. <laughs> um, so, I, I yeah, I think it just became a lot easier.
2: Yeah, did you go through a process of like? So, I know character creation in Traveler is uh, is a whole game unto itself. I guess when you were making the characters in Savage Worlds, um, yes, how did you even? Did you how did you approach that process? Was it like? you know, just you fill it out, like figure it out. Or like, I mean, did you leave stuff from the traveler character sheets and just say like, this is no longer a part of this character anymore.
0: Yeah. So I was, the reason we started with traveler really is because of the character creation. Mm -hmm. I love that character creation system so much, but I like this idea where you don't have full control of your backstory where you know, in Traveler, you you may want to go into a particular branch of, of the military, but turns out you didn't make it, right? You just aren't cut out to be a spy or whatever. Uh, and so I really like that aspect. Now, more to your question, you know, when we transition to Savage Worlds, because it's more narrative, like more narratively focused, we really just tried to transfer over the essence of the characters. And, and in that way we didn't worry too much about if you could do this before or that before. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's a sci-fi system, like we're playing in a sci-fi in the sci-fi genre, Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about what spells you have. And (laughs) yeah, you know, like these things aren't such a big deal. You're essentially just people Mm -hmm. Uh, gear. Yeah. You, you may want to worry about balance, but like Savage world doesn't care at all about balance. So I don't have to care about balance.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I guess this is a, a question for both of you. I, I, my, I have been just looking at the calendar, and noting how fast the end of the year is coming up, and I've just been thinking, what did I, what did I, think or or muse on or foolishly promise on air on this podcast that I was yeah. going to run this year, yeah, that I haven't run yet. I'm just curious, Toby, and then Chris, I'd like to hear from you too. Uh, what's kind of on your plate um, here? Is there something you'd like to get in this year yet, uh, gaming wise? That's
0: a good question. Mm -hmm. I will say since getting involved with Roll for Topic, my stack of unplayed RPGs (laughs) has maybe doubled or tripled. (laughs) And and I don't know if this is like fanboying on the channel or or what, um, but I heard about Brindlewood Bay at Mm -hmm. Roll for Topic Con, and I still haven't played it. Mm -hmm. I've read the rule set and... I actually got a little crazy and thought I could maybe move the theorize mechanic into uh, my current game. Cause oh, you know, lots of good, lots of uh, maybe some of the best campaigns that I've, that I've either listened to or, or seen like have some aspect of mystery in them that like finding information is like really core to the game that we play. And I wanted, and I just love the theorize mechanic so much that I was hoping I could like maybe transition into, it didn't work very well uh, <laughs> oh, so i'd love to play some brindlewood bay yeah uh, but yeah, i also have another stack of of books thanks to you guys my wallet is slimmer and my book stack is heavier
2: you <laughs> are so welcome i have no regrets <laughs> yeah oh uh, brindlewood bay is a good a good answer all the time to like what do you want to play next um and like strangely this probably says more about me than anything. Like something about like Thanksgiving to Christmas makes me want to uh, consume some mystery. <laughs> some mystery, mm. especially like murder mysteries and stuff. So that might be one that we just have to put together. I don't know if people are around over like the Christmas holiday or something like that. But... Um, yeah, so that's a good one. Uh, Andy, as you alluded to, there's probably audio of me saying somewhere like, I can't wait to do this in 2022. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, and certainly not a lot of that happened. Um, the, Um I mean, the, the one thing that I'm really looking forward to, um, and I don't know if we've officially talked about it on air, we're, we are going to do our Build a Dungeon, Play a Dungeon again this year. So Toby, I don't know if you've listened to our back catalog at all, but like every year, we do a, um, we have one design session where we design a dungeon and then we do an actual play of it. Um, the intent being that the people that do the actual play don't actually listen to the design, design session. So you can kind of see like how, how those ideas get generated and then actually get, get kind of played through. So that's what I'm looking forward to doing uh, you know, <laughs> over yeah. Yeah, before, before the, um, the holidays hit, hit in earnest, um. Yeah. What about you, Andy? I guess what answer your own?
1: Question. Well, I remember, I don't know if I said it on the podcast or just in conversation with someone, but, uh, I kind of want to do something with vampires this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just haven't really done a vampire game in forever. So I don't know if that would be the actual, you know, vampire role-playing game, or if it would just be a, one of many games that, you know, highlight vampires in a, in a major way, like Knights, Black Agents or something. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of excited about it. I guess the time is, you know, running short here, but I, I think I'm going to try, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas and with, I have a lot of, I have a lot of time off, you know, over that time, I'm going to see if I can get at least a one shot on this vampire theme done before the end of the year. So that would be about the only, you know, uh new year's resolution I will have successfully accomplished. So I've got to, got to, you know, check off (laughs) at
2: least something before 2023 starts. Is there, Um, I feel like I should know this, is there a Blade tabletop role-playing game? Do you know that, like, the Wesley Snipes Blade?
1: Yeah, I, you know? I would say there's a fairly large number of games that you could have a pretty Blade-like experience in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: By default, uh, you know, Vamp- Vampire, the role-playing game, is a little bit more, leans a little more into the, like, Anne Rice territory mm-hmm. than the, you know, action Blade territory, but there's I don't think there's anything really stopping you from going full blade in vampire if you want. Yeah. I don't know. I I mean uh does any Toby, do you have any experience with vampire or anything? Uh
0: no. So I haven't played any vampire tabletop role-playing games and I like Vampire the Masquerade or, or any of yeah. those. Um I was intrigued by them for a while. And I thought to myself, I would need a really specific player set to yeah. pull this off in a nice way. Some of the themes in vampire fiction are, you know, edgier than others, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it would involve a lot of trust in your players and, and people who are really interested in that.
1: Yeah, Vampire has... Vampire and some of the other games that come that White Wolf put out has always struck me as a pretty good example of... Like, there is a little... There is overlap between what the game designers want to do and what players want to do with the game. There's like a heavy overlap, but there is also a diversion. So you, you, I think if you read those uh, core rule books, it, you know, the designers want you to experience, you know, plumb the depths of human horror and desperation and, and addiction. And, you know, these kind of weighty themes and, you know, what I, at least anecdotally, an awful lot of people play them more like, you know, I am, this awesome ninja vampire and, and i got a <laughs> trench coat and here are my katanas, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, it, I mean, it, it speaks well of the, of the game and it's kind of sister games that you can do either of those extremes, I think. Um, mm-hmm. but
2: yeah, it's like, they, they want you to play interview with a vampire, but you end up playing what we do in the shadows. <laughs> right. Exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and
0: so, yeah, reading those books, I found there's so much lore there. Yeah. And I don't know how you would possibly prepare your players for that. Because, I mean, what I've found is yes, there are a few touchstones that you can provide, and some people have seen them or some people have read them. But the lore around like vampire houses or um, I don't know what they're actually called, covenants or something. That's yeah. what just.
1: Clans <clears throat> and stuff like that, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know. It seems like it, the way they write the rule books, you really. Want to lean into those kind of faction style of play, mm-hmm. um, but I don't just don't know enough about it.
2: Yeah, do they give like yeah? I, I mean, my mind went immediately to Blades in the Dark, um, as it often does. But like, yeah, Blades in the Dark style of factions and gangs and stuff might be a, a fun way to think about. Yeah, think about um, yeah the different clans, clans and families and houses and stuff like that. Where something I appreciate about Blades in particular is that like there isn't a lot of detail given to each of those. Like there's sort of insinuations that you can pick up based on the names of stuff. But like if I had to memorize like the lineage of who is the leader of each of these yeah, houses, that's just like, that's where my brain is like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't interact with the fiction at that level Um, for a tabletop game. Reading a novel, sure. Like that might be different, but.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point. I do feel like we're in sort of a golden age of games like blades that instead of giving you the hundreds of pages of setting backstory and the NPCs and things like that, they really, uh, you know, the ultimate example might be Mork Borg. You know, it just, it throws out a few teasers and trusts that you'll fill in, Mm -hmm. you know, the fairly large blank spots on the (laughs) map and in the setting with your own stuff. And I guess it's a personal thing, I guess, whether that appeals to you or if you enjoy, you know, doing those deep dives into the, the giant overwrought settings of the 1990s role-playing games yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah games these days are more just vibe checks than anything so <laughs> yeah yeah all right let's uh let's transition to our our topic at hand so this is design an encumbrance system that even encumbrance haters will want to use and this was added by a listener wolf mungus um who i think we we met on on discord a while back so wolf if you're still listening thanks for adding this topic we finally got to it <laughs> probably a year later or so um yeah, maybe, uh, maybe we could start by, like, yeah, let's go around and say, like, are you pro encumbrance systems or con encumbrance systems? And I will say in general, I am, I'm against them. So I guess what about you, Toby?
0: Yeah, I historically have been against them and I think all of my players are probably against them. However, uh, I did play in Andy's Twilight 2000 game where encumbrance was a
1: key part of it
0: and it didn't feel as bad as i thought.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, I did enjoy that.
1: So. Yeah. What about you, Andy? Do you? Yeah, i think similar to you guys. I'm pretty pretty anti-encumbrance, but i'm super open to finding an encumbrance system that's fun. Mm-hmm. So like traditionally i usually mostly just ignore it and just use common sense to decide if you're carrying too much junk and if it's having a negative effect on your ability to do yeah. stuff. I started, you know, my gaming hobby, career, or whatever, playing Rolemaster, which has a really detailed encumbrance system, and that was one of the first. Uh, I was I was learning Rolemaster. I I didn't know anyone else who gamed, so I was learning entirely through the rules, and that was one of the my first experience with realizing this is a part of the game that is uh, doesn't pay off for me or any of us. <laughs> so we're just gonna hand we're gonna hand wave it so it's a little bit of a watershed moment for me like hey I can I can ignore part of this now that's of course such a common idea it's usually uh, it's usually actually printed in the opening pages of most games that you can ignore parts of the game if you want but um, yeah
2: <laughs> yeah I guess um like maybe we should define encumbrance like somewhat right so we can we can know what we're designing <laughs> designing ahead of time um yeah so like when I think about this I'm specifically sort of thinking about like the the stuff that you can carry both in terms of weight and shape, I guess, if that makes sense, right. So, like you might, you sort of have room on your person for one shield and maybe you could put one on your back too, if you wanted to, but carrying three shields makes no sense. Even though, even if you could carry that, that amount of weight, yeah. um, does that make sense as a starting point for us? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Encumbrance
1: is, yeah. A, a way of uh, tracking what you are wearing and, and holding and carrying and what effect that has on the game experience
2: okay cool um and then something that we've learned from doing (laughs) doing these design challenges is that like we should probably pick like a genre too that we're going to stick in um yeah so i'm kind of intrigued by not doing like the typical fantasy setting like toby you mentioned sci-fi and i think that might actually be like a fun a fun place to to explore this right so like you Yeah, like you might have a little computer that contains all the world's knowledge on it, right? But it's not going to take up that much room. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I guess how does that sit with you, or is anyone else thinking about something else? We could also do vampires. I guess we talked a lot about vampires. So the thing with
1: the thing with encumbrance is uh, the reason my mind went to fantasy is because I feel like that's the genre where you where it is an integral part of the game that you are accumulating stuff. Mm-hmm. Like in a sci-fi game, maybe you're running a game where you're accumulating stuff, but probably you're not gathering up treasure and new equipment all the time the way you are in a fantasy game.
2: Hmm.
1: So I, I, of course, I have no objection to any genre we want to do here. But my mind went to fantasy because all of my clashes with inventory and encumbrance have been a result of that fantasy accumulation grind that most games put at the center of the experience, honestly.
2: Hmm.
1: Any reactions to that?
0: So when my mind goes to fantasy, so I will say I would rather not do fantasy and let me explain kind of why. Yeah. Because you get a bag of holding. I mean I know this is like ah. DD specific, yeah, yeah. but the bag of holding essentially breaks all the entire encumbrance system mm-hmm. in DD, what however light it may be, to the point where, oh I just don't track this anymore. Um, so I would, I think avoiding like a breaking item or a breaking piece of magic like that would be useful. It would like force us
2: to come up with something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good parameter to put on it. Yeah. Um, so what about Sci-fi
0: and, okay. um, yeah, sci-fi or I kind of like the old West, you know, that that's kind of a fun Ooh. one, you know, crates Ooh. of
2: dynamite and, Let's, uh, old West. Yeah. yeah. You, sold, you sold me just by saying old West. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So if we're thinking old West, like, um, yeah, like let's, let's again, put a few more parameters. Is this like, uh, is your adventuring party, are they in a town? Are they out in the wilderness? Like, are they, are they pioneers here or are they uh, in a town doing stuff?
1: I vote for that, that travel has to be uh, a big part of okay. the experience because I think travel interacts with encumbrance in pretty unique in pretty interesting ways.
0: Mm, Yeah. Okay. Without having to pack up all your stuff. Right. I mean, you just store it in a a house somewhere or something.
1: Yeah. You just run back to your house to pick, pick it up rather than, yeah.
0: Right. My touchstone here is always something like Deadwood. Mm, And so that doesn't involve quite as much travel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think about often, oftentimes too. Um or Oregon Trail, right? Which is like a, a little <laughs> bit different, but like yeah, there's still. I mean, that has a. I mean, talk about an encumbered system that I hate. Like you know, <laughs> right? Like tracking, yeah, tracking how much food you have, and then like the the random encounters that are just like, and now you're all dead. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So what are some ways to make it? I guess make it fun, right? So like there's. I mean, I think there is a small amount. Well depending on your personality type, there is a either small amount or a large amount of fun in doing like the spreadsheet style stuff of like, yeah, yeah, like I can only carry a hundred pounds or 200 pounds and yeah, I go back and forth. But I I don't think any of us on this, this uh, podcast right now are really into that, that style of it. So.
1: Yeah. More power, more power to those players. And, and I know people that are like that, but for me, yeah, that, here's my spreadsheet of stuff and how many pounds each one costs. And you can see I'm exactly one pound under the 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 threshold for taking a penalty to dexterity. So we're yeah. good to
2: go. Yeah. It's like the the um Elden Ring or Dark Souls, like are yes. you underneath a certain percentage so you can you can roll good? <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, That's exactly what I was thinking yeah. too. Yeah, I guess we should, Toby, maybe we should have checked in with you on this. Uh, How how fluent are you in video games? I guess that'll help Andy and I temper where we go.
0: Yeah, it's been a while.
2: Okay. Uh, But if we talk about anything,
0: you know, Diablo style, inventory system, Tetris style, that kind of makes sense to me. Um, I know that in Elden Ring, you have to get good, Mm -hmm. but I never got good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, actually. So I did. I did actually want to start with the Diablo style inventory system, because I think this this is an encumbrance system that is both frustrating and I find uniquely satisfying um, the like organizing what you have in a grid in some fashion. So for those who have not played Diablo or these styles of game, you, you basically have an inventory that's made up of like 20 different squares. Right. And so different items will take up different amounts of spaces in those the squares and there is a, a you can kind of rearrange them too, almost like tetris pieces as well so like a shield might take up six of those right whereas a staff only takes up three but they're both vertical right so you need to kind of like arrange stuff um, yeah
1: there is rearrange. a real satisfaction in like uh reorgan you know making your inventory box efficiently you know if you use all the boxes efficiently yeah
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like resident evil has this as well um too right like those like so this is a, a pretty common thing in video games i think for memory reasons, right? Like in, in earlier games. But now it's just sort of, I think it's accepted as a, as a way to, um, like to give you another little thing to play with. But okay. So if we. Diablo, can I pause you there? Yeah. yeah. Could, can we talk for another minute about Diablo? Cause I think he has one. We can of talk their... for another
1: hour about Diablo. Okay. You know? <laughs> so the other part of Diablo's inventory system is like, is that it uses slots, right? Mm-hmm. So you have, uh, so it, it fiercely restricts the number of things you can have equipped and it's somewhat arbitrary. Um, but it's, it, there's a satisfaction to it as well. You know, you can have two rings. There are two slots for rings and you can put a ring in either or both or none of those spots, but you can't ever wear three rings. Mm-hmm. It's only two, you know, there is one slot for, uh, a neck piece or something like that. So if you have a necklace, you can put it there. Um, and, I have seen that kind of slot system implemented in a few RPGs. Like I think Torchbearer does it and a few others, Mm -hmm. but it's, I, I suspect the kind of abstract enforced abstractness of that makes it less satisfying to games that have at least something, some root in simulationism, right? Cause Mm -hmm. it's, it's not really realistic that you could only have one knife, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, what if what if I have this way to hold five knives? Mm-hmm. Uh, Diablo doesn't let you do that, but a role-playing game would let you do that. Hmm. Yeah.
0: The alternative to that is something like attunement points or mm-hmm. um, I'm
2: mm-hmm. not
0: really sure what the language around this is, but you can only have equipped or you can only be attuned to so many magical items or high power items
2: yeah. that are really the ones that maybe we're concerned with anyways. It's a attunement. And then also, I mean, I think there's, you know, you could almost make an argument that like specializing in certain, certain weapon types and stuff too. Like that's almost like a, another way of limiting that, you know, or even, yeah, just having the, you know, having two hands, right. You don't have three hands. So you can't, you know, like, you can't shoot a bow and hold a, a sword at the same time. Would, would you
1: guys be bothered by a, say you're playing, okay, we're old West or whatever. So, mm-hmm. How much does it bother you if there is no limit of any kind on inventory, et cetera? Uh, Think, think, you know, whatever in uh, Elden ring, you can have 500 maces in your inventory. There's no, Mm -hmm. um, until you try to equip them, there's no penalties there. Does that completely freak you out? If, uh, if that were to happen in a tabletop game,
2: if I had a six shooter that had infinite bullets, that would bother me greatly. (laughs) Okay. But if I have a bow and arrow that has infinite, like, arrows, that doesn't bother me. So <laughs> figure that one out. But, like, there's something about the, like, the the six-shooter having that limitation. Like, you can fire off six, but then you got to stop to reload. Um, that's entertaining. <laughs> All right? And there's yeah. a lot of tension that can be had there, too. The alternative is you have a
0: thousand six-shooters in your inventory, yeah. <laughs> and you just, like, cycle yeah. through them, whipping them as you finish.
1: I mean that's a very video game approach yeah. to inventory and there's many video games that do essentially just that, right? Or or yeah. versions of that. I wanted to say I don't want this to be the um the video game discussion podcast, but I did have one other experience with inventory in a game recently that I think was fun when it was designed but was was horribly frustrating today. I replayed an old Infocom adventure, mm-hmm. uh, called Planetfall. And like oh. a lot of those old text adventures, you, uh, part of the puzzle of the game is managing your inventory because you have really tight limits on how much stuff you can hold. And so, um, I, I, a fair amount of the gameplay of Planetfall was like dropping stuff. So the, to make room to pick up stuff I needed and then remembering where I had dropped stuff and um, just doing the big juggle of like, well, I could pick up the, to pick up this, I have to drop these two things and I need, uh, you need to remember where you're going to need things and you can get into spots where you don't have the thing you need and, they, and you just have to restart the game.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: remember in Zork, another Infocom game, they, they went even further in making this a part of the gameplay by having stuff you leave out be stealable by a thief that was <laughs> present in the game. Yeah. So um so it was it was a nerve-wracking experience to um it was nerve-wracking to manage your inventory. And mm-hmm. replaying that today, I found that maddening and the opposite of fun but I could still see the glimmer of like there, you know, I could see the glimmer of that original appeal of, of making that such a core part of just like literally navigating the game world.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I also played planet fall sort of around the time, well, around the time that you were playing it. And I found that to be like, it just made me want to turn the game off. Right. Like, and it's Yeah. yeah. And I think when I was younger, that might've been fun in some way, but it felt like a, a detriment to the game. Yeah. Like, yeah, very much a detriment. Um, yeah. And I think that's like, just tying it back to the the topic at hand, like, I'm kind of wondering if that that's part of the problem with the encumbrance stuff for me, at least, is that like that mental load of trying to keep track of those things. Um, when like a character shouldn't cheat in D and D, for example, like it has no great way to really track like what your, your total is. Right. Like, so you can sort of shunt that off to a computer, right. If you're playing, Playing with D&D Beyond or whatever, but it's like, then, then you've kind of turned it into like this, yeah, this again, the spreadsheet problem, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's something, and there's
1: something to be said, you know, if something is irritating enough that you're looking for tools to alleviate it, why is it in the game? Mm-hmm. Right. If, I mean, maybe it just has to have a compelling reason to be in the game. If a lot of your players are looking for cheat, 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 cheat ways to get around it, right? Yeah. With D&D Beyond or
2: whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I I know we've recorded an episode, um, somewhere in our back catalog where we we sort of talked about like ways to make, make that part a little bit more interesting. I want to say it actually might've been Tim saucer who either came up with the topic or was on, on it, but we, you know, like, yeah. Thinking about like the, um, like what items you're bringing into a dungeon and stuff like that. But anyway, so let's, let's pause there though. I want to get back to like, let's actually design something. Right. So like, I think we've talked about a lot of stuff. The thing that I'm kind of hearing coming out of this is, like, let's try to, like, maybe think about a Diablo-style, like, grid system for inventory. Um, I mean, I think there's a way we could design that that could be fun. Does that that sound like a good approach for us? Yeah, okay. Um,
1: Can I throw out out something to react to? Yeah. So, uh, Wild West RPG, uh, tell me why this wouldn't be fun or workable. Uh, When the game starts, you can write down you can have anything that makes sense for your character concept. If you could picture your character in a movie, if they would have it in the movie, you have it on your sheet. Mm-hmm. You don't do any tracking. You don't do any tracking of inventory. And uh, if you need or want something, you roll to see if you've got it with the role being modified by how, how uh, close it is to how, how much it fits into the uh, vibe of, The theme of your character so if you're a gunslinger Mm -hmm. and you run out of ammo you have a pretty good shot of uh rolling and discovering that you have more ammo in your backpack but if you're Mm -hmm. a preacher uh you have a big penalty on you're highly unlikely to get um to get ammo have ammo when you need it that's just
2: fascinating i would just like to hear some reactions as to whether that would work or not um, my first reaction to that is, that sounds like a lot of fun, would add a lot of tension. And I'd also want to have some sort of rule in there for like, it, you have like three three chances per session where you just have it, right? Like no matter what, hmm. something like that. And then maybe some sort of cap on like the number of times you can go to your your magical bag <laughs> to see see yeah. what's in there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I really like the abstraction of that because I find even tracking equipment can be kind of irritating aside from maybe a few key items or items that are really integral to my character concept. Mm -hmm. So I could see augmenting this style of, you know, narrative tension building encumbrance, if we want to, whatever we want to call it with, you know, here are three items that are, you know, core to your character. And maybe that gets, that tackles Chris's, Mm idea that like I should be able to have three items or some number of items per session well these are just the items that your character is known to have and they are integral to your character hmm. um, so I really like that and yeah high level I like the abstraction of it and mm-hmm. the tension that it would bring so yeah it's cool cool idea yeah.
1: here's what it wouldn't do this this would not give you the satisfaction if this is a game where you're traveling so whatever maybe you're playing native americans uh traveling around or you're playing a gunslinger riding through the west or something if travel is a part of this some part of making travel fun is planning well mm-hmm. and packing well for it right and part of the risk and reward is you know deciding i don't know how many right, how many things of food do we need you know and then hoping that your your uh, estimate is correct right so a fully abstract system it would remove that element so any thoughts
0: yeah i i like this and and i think there's a way that we can we can tackle that so one thing i was thinking about was uh ways that you can augment your inventory so this is something that a gunslinger would do by having a holster right mm-hmm. oh now i can hold two pistols instead of one or something like this so if we take that idea and we like draw it out well, before you prepare to travel, you may get some horses or something to carry your gear. And now you have this inventory augmentation where you can now up that number of guaranteed items that you have. Oh, I'm guaranteed yeah. to have this many rations because I put them on in the pack horse or yeah. mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So that's interesting.
2: So would you have? So you have your character, like, would you have your character? So like, maybe they, they get three things, right? So maybe they choose, I want to have one horse. I want to have one pistol or six shooter. And I want to have one really cool hat, right? <laughs> like those are my three, three things. Right. Um, So, but then the horse itself then also has sort of like three, three slots there too. Or yeah. Maybe the
1: horse is a, a bonus or a penalty to your die roll to get stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, so maybe if you bring a wagon, you have a plus 10 mm-hmm. to all rolls to see if you can find it in your inventory. Hmm. But if you just have like a sickly pony on its last legs, it's a plus two to your rolls. Yeah, it's a, it's a like, minus I, two. Yeah. I know, I just, just throwing that out for reaction.
2: Two, um, okay, so my, my one reaction is right. So like, I think this is really fascinating to me because it's, uh, it's again, doing that sort of like blade style flip where it's like rather than plan out exactly what you have you sort of have slots and then you're using them up um as you're going so like would we i think there needs to be like an imposition of some sort of maximum of mm-hmm. this right so you can't just sort of like keep rolling right like so there's either some sort of penalty every time you roll um that happens like maybe a day goes by right or you know or like you can only do it a certain number of times five mm-hmm. or six something like that yeah but then then it would be sort of up to the gm i think to modulate like how that interacts with the narrative too right if you're trying to make a cross-country voyage right you might have 50 <laughs> 50 things to try but like you also have to prepare for a year's worth of travel
1: i do like the and i think i think as you mentioned i think blades does it like this like if you, you can check it off and consume like an inventory item to have it give you an effect but it I think a lot of the stuff is kind of a one use thing, right? You mm-hmm. check off yeah. armor, you you get to a, you get to reduce or, or remove uh some consequences, but then you've checked off your armor. Yeah. Which doesn't work simulationist wise, you know, very mm-hmm. well, but is very satisfying to do in the game. Like I've got armor, I'm gonna check this off, it gets me out of this it gets me out of this killing blow for free. Yeah. So I like that, but it's, it's dependent on, you know, a really limited number of things that are consumable, even if we wouldn't normally, you wouldn't find them in the consumables section of the, uh, you know, the item listing in your rule book. Or like, a, you know, does it make sense to, you? Mm-hmm. you know, you consume your six shooter by using it to win a fight? i
2: I, I think i sort of like the idea of going back to toby's sort of original thought like you have you have a few things that are like defined about your character and like those don't change right so you you have a holster like unless there's something that happens in game that takes your holster away so like you always have the capability of holding two guns right like yeah like that's that's just something that is true about your character because you've you've sort of decided and like the the cool hat example that i mentioned like Right. Like maybe that gives you bonuses to charisma checks and stuff like that. Or like, you know, the sun can't get in your eyes, you know, whatever, whatever you want to design as part of your old west system. Um, But I like that as sort of like the base, like you're you're as you're doing your character creation, you're sort of picking out these things that are true about your character. And then from those, your options for like what you have access to follows and like the, the ability for you to pull that thing as needed. So yeah, like going back to your example, the, the, you know, the preacher would not have bullets, but the gunslinger would not have a Bible. <laughs> right. Like, right. yeah. I think this, this sounds fun. It sounds fun to me. Like, do you, do we like the idea enough? If, if so, I think we should come up with a few more examples of maybe. Those, yeah, like, I, I do want to open have. the table
1: though. You know, I threw that out as something to react to, not necessarily mm-hmm. as the thing that we needed to, um to, yeah. to craft. So are either of you guys kind of sitting on a, a different, wacky idea for inventory and encumbrance
2: mm. i probably have like three or four but we also only have like four minutes so i think we're gonna okay. have to stick for sure <laughs> stick with what we have <laughs> yeah yeah um, i really um, like
0: well, what we've discussed mm-hmm.
1: what are there are there things that are fun about inventories and encumbrance that that aren't just aren't covered by this system
2: um i think the maybe some of the pre-planning right so like scratching that itch of of pre-planning but that also might be covered just in the like let's figure out which of our our like character traits we want to we want to have as a party that like that kind of meta conversation of we don't need five gunslingers who all have holsters right we need to have like mm-hmm. yeah whatever the preacher the you know i don't even know like <laughs> who the other characters would be be in this and so but alternatively, you
0: can go and like augment your party, right? You can say, "Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick up a car- like a, a wagon, right?" And now, because I have this wagon, I get three more or five more like mm-hmm. guaranteed slots.
1: Do you guys think it's fun to let people um, carry too much and then penalize them for it in some way? Uh, no. No. Like our Diablo slot system does not allow you to carry too much. It's yeah, just, it does. Just, just not possible.
2: Yeah, I think there's a I, I don't like having penalties for that because um, that invites, I think, people to try to like find ways to weasel weasel out of them um, pretty easily. Like and also I don't like having like bonuses if you don't carry as much. Right. So it's just sort of like this is this is just the this is what it is. Right. Like you can use it, use it or lose it, I think is a better way to approach that.
0: So here's a, maybe I, I don't want to take this too far off, but here's another thought that we could, so suppose that number of items that are integral to your character, you're allowed to pick. Mm-hmm. And so you can say, uh this is a little bit maybe like from Tales in the Loop, where your age gives you, like if you're young, you have a lot more luck. Uh oh, If you're yeah. older, you have more skills. So if you pick fewer items that are integral to your character, you can roll more often mm. or you can roll for maybe more substantial items to maybe have. Yeah. And if you, if you load out your character with a lot of guaranteed items, you don't have those opportunities to potentially roll and hopefully find something. So this is a way to scratch that itch of, you know, min-maxing your inventory in Mm -hmm. some way.
1: I do like that trade-off. That is a compelling... It calls to mind the way that uh, card deck-building games do kind of card hand management. Mm -hmm. If you've played any of those games, you like when you are first learning a game, you're excited to be adding all sorts of cards to your hand. And then as you get out of your beginner phase... You, uh, you realize that you're paying a price for having a lot of cards in your hand, and and that is uh, you're less likely to get any particular card, right, when you draw at the beginning. So then the incentive begins: like, how what can I drop out of this deck to kind of refine it down to just the stuff that works best for me? Mm -hmm. And so, what Toby, what you're talking about, it it scratches a little bit of that itch of you could have more stuff or you you can have more control of what you've got or less control.
2: It's kind of a you need to decide where your balance is, where fun's fun for you. Yeah, I really like the idea of a character concept, too, in this where you carry nothing with you. And you just, your character sort of always trusts they can grab the thing at hand. Yeah. It's like they just reach into a barrel and it's like, Oh, and there's the sword I needed or like whatever. <laughs> you know, I think that would be really fun. And then you see, so you have one person who's like wearing a loin cloth and then another person who's walking around like some sort of tank with <laughs> outfitted yeah. with all sorts of stuff. Are we full circle back to Dark Souls now? Yes, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, we should call it here. We've been uh, talking for a little bit. Um, this has been a, a really good conversation and it has made me excited about encumbrance. So I guess we, we designed something that even haters will like. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm going to do a little bit of wrap up stuff, but I guess before we dive into that, any, any like last thoughts, like here's your one sentence chance to to flip everything on its head. No, no I don't think and, so. Okay. I mean, I'll just say like D&D did it perfectly. So just do that. So yeah, Yeah.
1: first edition rule master solved the incumbents problem. Why why would we do anything different than that?
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, yeah, Role for Topic is part of the Role for It Media podcasting network. Our sister show, The Splat Book um, with John Corey and Kyle Latino continues to be amazing. Um, They are doing a series about their personal appendix ends. Right now, I um, mean, I think the new episode just just dropped or will have dropped um, soon. Uh, yeah, so take a take a listen to that. Um, they've been picking out um, books that they particularly like, books and stories, and reading them beforehand and sort of doing a little book club discussion, which is uh, super great. Um, yeah, so you can go listen to them at the splatbook.com. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. Andy, you got anything else for us? I don't think so. Uh, just that you're talking up the Splatbook
1: an awful lot lately in the in your closing. Yeah. So. I okay. mean, this flatbook's cool, but, you
2: know, let's not overdo it. <laughs> I, I yeah. kid, it is a wonderful show. Yes, <laughs> it's really good. Um, yeah, uh, cool. I think that Toby, thank you so much for coming coming on. This was wonderful to get a chance to talk with you about this. Um, yeah, so I'm hopeful that we can get a game of Brindlewood Bay in, in at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: thanks so much for inviting me. And thanks for letting me come and letting me be part of this, like, role for topic thing. It's been such a nice opportunity to flex those GM muscles that you know that only come from soundboarding ideas off of other people and you know I like recently moved to Ann Arbor Mm -hmm. and lost a lot of those like contacts and it's just nice to have a place to geek out about weird things that so few people know anything about (laughs) or are concerned with or um, it's growing but no it's so nice and you guys are so welcoming and thank you so much.
2: Yeah, that's awesome you. and you it's really
0: you nice.
1: it's so wonderful having you be part of the community too mm-hmm. you, you've already brought a lot uh, a lot to the community so thank
2: you yeah oh, well now I'm feeling very good <laughs>
1: about, about <laughs> life
2: in general <laughs> but yeah alright well um, I've been Chris Salzman
1: I've been Andy Rao
2: and remember if your player's are having fun you're a great GM